dynamite job, doesn't he? I, I really appreciate, yeah. I appreciate Russ so much as a friend, personal friend, as well as the privilege of working with him. We are honored to have with us today two very fine young ladies, all the way from Las Gatas. And I had the privilege of meeting them this morning, and uh, they're looking us over. I think it's only fair to turn the thing around and look them over. So I'm going to ask them to stand. Jennifer Worm and Delena Mainers. Where are you? Right in the back. There they are. Good to have you here. Good to have you here. We are honored with your presence. I mean that sincerely. A sermon without a title. Don't know what to call it. I've got three options. Multiple choice. You choose the title. Okay? We could call it everything you ever wanted to know about dating but was afraid to ask. Okay? We could call it straight talk to guys and gals about dating. We could call it Dewey's Dating Do's and Don'ts. All right, you got it. Turn to John chapter 10. We have not had a talk all year on dating. Thought it would be about time. Don't you? John chapter 10. Ready to have some fun? Here goes. Dewey's dating, do's and don'ts. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus said, but I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Mark it well, Jesus Christ wants you to experience life to the full. I came that they might have life and might have it Abundantly. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. No, okay. Romans. How am I supposed to preach with you doing that? Okay. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It has nothing to do with dating, but it's a good verse. Romans 12, verse 2, the little last part of the verse. That you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. God's will for your life and mine is good, acceptable, and perfect. I lived in mortal fear of the will of God the first three years I was saved. You relate? I knew God's will was the exact opposite of what I wanted. I, I just assumed that. I hate heat. I hate bugs. And I hate grass huts. So I knew I was called as a missionary to Africa. I mean, you know, it was a given. Working with people with bones in their noses the rest of my life. That kind of a deal. Wearing a tutu. God's will for my life is good, acceptable, and perfect. So mark it well. God wants your life to be fulfilled abundantly so. God wants your life and mine to be characterized by that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And one more. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And verse 4. God gives us a blank check. I kind of like that. Psalm 37 and verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. My God is not a cosmic killjoy, not a divine party pooper. He is not out to wreck your life or your fun. He wants every dimension of our lives to be fulfilled. He wants every dimension of our lives to be good, acceptable, and perfect. And as we delight ourselves in Him, He wants to give us the desires of our hearts. And that is true of your dating life as well. Isn't that exciting? Now, I have to admit there is an element of frustration I am experiencing this morning. Because if you read through the Bible, it says nothing about dating. Did you know that? 
Now, I've got a certain number of guys here from Sermon Prep. They've got critique sheets flying all over the room. And I just want to let you know going into this thing, this is, the, this is an illustration of how not to prepare a sermon. I prepared the whole thing then found verses to fit it. You don't do that, okay? So don't be shocked. Every verse I use is taken out of context and totally misinterpreted. But we put it together to kind of make the thing flow. So I just want to say that going into it, you'll notice them writing down every flutter of my eyebrow on those critique sheets. And no doubt somebody will say, you missed the point of the passage. You are right, my friend. Very observant of you. Let's dive into it. Dating. The reason the Bible doesn't talk about it is because dating is a cultural thing. They didn't date back then. Did you know that? Let me recreate the scene. One of you girls would be born, all right? The doctor hoists you up by the ankles, swats you on the wazoo area of your body, and you let out a scream, letting the world know in no uncertain terms, you have arrived. Now what happens is your dad happens to be working with a guy. He just had a baby boy. So his father comes over to the hospital, they look you over. And after looking you over, the little boy's dad says, I think she's worth about two cows, you know, give or take a chicken. So they sign a... They sign a contract, and everything is fine until you reach marriageable age. And then one day the family calls you in, sits you down, mom and dad do on the couch, and they say, Sally, we've got some news for you. You're going to marry Herbert. And it's already been arranged. Now, it doesn't matter if you're in love with Herbert or not. It's already arranged. And there are some cultures today that kind of do it that way. It's already prearranged. And the idea is that even if you don't love Herbert, you learn to love Herbert. And it's interesting that oftentimes in those cultures, the divorce rate is far less than it is in our own, where we choose our own mate. But let's put it to a vote. How many of you would prefer to have a say in who you marry? Can I see your hand? Yeah, I think we prefer it that way, don't we? So I've got a cultural problem, but we'll try to make this thing fly. And basically what we're going to talk about is who to date, when to date, why to date, and how to date, okay? Did you get that? That's my outline. Who to date, when to date, why to date, and how to date. What is God's will for your dating? We'll use kind of a question and answer format. What is God's will for your dating? I believe that it is God's will for you to do five things in your dating. Five things. Number one, it is God's will for you to center your dating around your commitment to Jesus Christ. It is God's will for you to center your dating around your commitment to Jesus Christ. It has been my observation that oftentimes... We are those who commit every area of our lives to Christ except the area of our dating. And oftentimes in the area of dating, we violate every scriptural principle going. And I have found over the years in counseling literally hundreds and hundreds of young people face to face, one of the greatest areas of conflict is in the area of dating. Tragic. Because God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. So it is God's will that you center your dating around your commitment to Jesus Christ. Psalm 37, 4, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Do you believe that? Secondly, and we're going to be moving fast. Get ready. Smoke will fill the room coming off the edges of your paper. So get ready to write. Number two, it is God's will for you to enjoy lots of wholesome fun in your dating. God's will for you to enjoy lots of wholesome fun. I found a verse, 1 Timothy 6.17, and it says, God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. It is God's will 
that you enjoy lots of wholesome fun in your dating. Not conflicts, not heartache, lots of wholesome fun. Third, it is God's will that you develop many genuine friendships with members of the opposite sex in your dating. It is God's will that you develop many genuine friendships with members of the opposite sex. I do not know a better way to do it than in dating. You have the glorious opportunity of spending time in a social way with many different people of the opposite sex, getting to know them. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says this, Love does not seek its own. It is not possessive. Love is not possessive. Love doesn't take a person and try to grab on and squeeze the person. There is no room for possessiveness in dating. No room at all. You should feel the freedom to be able to date as many people as you want. And I've had people tell me, but if I do that, it'll destroy my reputation. I'll be known as someone who just dates around tons and tons of people. That won't destroy your reputation. It's what you do with those people on the date that will make or break your reputation. So I believe it is God's will that you develop many genuine friendships with members of the opposite sex. And dating is the best way I know of to do that. Fourth, it is God's will that these friendships deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is God's will that these friendships deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are in a dating relationship, and since you began to date this individual, your relationship with Christ has diminished, write it down in capital letters, your dating relationship is out of the will of God. It is out of the will of God. It is God's will that as you develop many genuine friendships with members of the opposite sex through your dating, that your commitment to Jesus Christ will be deepened. And if your commitment to Christ has been reduced, eroded, then that relationship is out of the will of God. Men, we have a responsibility. God has called us to be the spiritual leaders in a dating relationship. And our commitment must be that of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. You imitate me as I imitate Christ. And it should be our commitment to the young ladies whom we date. That if you want to know how to live the Christian life victoriously, you live it the way I live it. And I guarantee, men, that those are the kinds of men our young ladies want to date. Men whom they can respect, look up to, and say, I want to live like you because if I live like you, I will be like Christ. That is what they're looking for. They are not looking for a spiritual reclamation project. They are looking for examples. And gentlemen, that is our responsibility. God never intended that the woman lead the man spiritually. God intended that the man lead the woman. And girls, am I right? Is that what you want? Let's let the men know. Is that true? You are free to respond at any point with an ovation, an applause, whatever. All right. You sure? Number five. And you'll like this one. It is God's will in your dating that you begin to look for the qualities you want in a future life partner. It is God's will that in your dating, you begin to look for the qualities that you want in a future life partner. That is why I recommend that you date several different people, not just tie yourself down immediately to one. Because as you date several different people, you will begin to sort out what you want in a future life partner. Matthew chapter 19 is a very, very important verse. It says this, Jesus speaking, and He said, Have you not read 
that He who created them from the beginning made them male and female. Notice, please, it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Bruce, right? And He said, it's amazing what you learn when you read the Bible, right? For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, he's talking about marriage here, and cleave to his wife, that is the marriage vow, and they shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Divorce is not in the plan of God for you. Therefore, you must be very selective in the person that you marry. And when you walk down that aisle, as my dear bride and I did some nine and a half blissful years ago, and we faced one another and clasped our hands, and in the presence of God and of His angels and His people, committed our lives to one another until death us do part, we were entering into a lifelong vow, commitment, that is not to be entered into lightly. There is a lot of glamour that goes along with weddings. The bells ring, the goosebumps are everywhere. I know. And I know it is a day that you dream about often. But understand that the initial glamour lasts only for a moment. Then you settle into rent, gas bills. Your wife likes to eat once in a while. Um, it's a heavy responsibility. There are pressures that come, and you need to understand that you are making an unalterable decision not to be entered into lightly. Dating provides you with an opportunity to begin to look for the qualities you want in a future life partner. What is God's will for your dating? That you centered around your commitment to Christ? That you enjoy lots of wholesome fun? That you develop many genuine friendships? That these friendships deepen your commitment to Christ? And that you begin to look for the qualities you want in a future life partner. Neat thing, isn't it? Aren't you grateful that God has permitted us in our culture the privilege of dating? Question number two. Who should I date? Who should I date? Now, I'm prepared to give names and numbers if that's what you want. But let me give you some general qualities. Do not do what my wife did. My wife prayed one morning and she said, God... Who should I marry? Closed her eyes, thumb through the Bible. I want his name in the verse. You know that kind of deal? You've met people that do that? You heard about the guy that did that? What is your will for my life today? And he closed his eyes and hit the verse, and it read, Judas went out and hanged himself. That's very dangerous when you do that. And he panicked and he said, That's not, that couldn't be right. So he closed his eyes again and put his finger in the verse, and it said, Go thou and do likewise. Probably not the best way to discern God's will. He thought three's a charm, closed his eyes, put his finger on a verse, and it said, What thou doest, do quickly. Now, that's dangerous. That is very dangerous. But my wife did that. Who should I marry? Put his name in a verse. Closed her eyes, thumbed through the Bible, put her finger down, and came to Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and verse 2. I will now read for you. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and verse 2. It's too bad we can't dim the lights little violin music at this point. <laughs> there we go. We will create the moment. Here's what it says. 
I mean, my wife has a heart for romance. Just listen to this. Are you ready? I was asleep, but my heart was awake. A voice. My beloved was knocking. Now, she's getting excited at this point, see? Looking for his name in the verse. My beloved was knocking. Perfect verse. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew. So she married me. That's probably not the best way to do it. Let, let me... This is fun. Let me suggest... Let me suggest that you make a commitment. Now you know what I'm going to say, right? Only date a what? Wrong. Only date a growing Christian. Only date a growing Christian. The reason I say that is this. If you make a commitment to only date a Christian, you could go down the street, knock on house doors, and take a poll, are you a Christian? And if the guy is not a Buddhist or an atheist, he's going to say, yes. So if you make it your policy to ask the guy or gal, are you a Christian, you're going to get a yes. Certainly. When I say growing Christian, I mean that you are looking for a person who is living out in his life evidence that he is seeking to be what God wants him or her to be. Evidence is the key word. Evidence, now not perfection, but evidence that the person is striving to be what God wants that person to be, a growing believer. Why do I say that? Why not date an unbeliever? Well, for one thing, I don't read anywhere in my Bible about missionary dating. Do you? It doesn't make sense. And there are several reasons for that. There are dangers involved if you do anything other than that commitment. And here are the dangers. Number one, there is the ever-present, unpredictable nature of emotions. You may say to yourself, I'm going to date this guy because he's a neat guy and maybe I can lead him to Christ. Great motive. Problem. You don't know your emotions. Your heart and your head are not often connected. There is often a short circuit. And there are times when we live our lives by our goosebumps, not our brains. And the next thing you know, you may end up falling in love with the guy or the gal. Or vice versa. And it is very, very difficult to make an intelligent decision once your heart is gone. True? Secondly, he or she may have a different idea in dating you. I never ever met a guy yet who dated a gal because he wanted to get saved. If he wanted to get saved, guess what he'd do? He'd get saved. So they no doubt have a different idea in dating you than you may have in dating them. Thirdly, girls, you need to understand that the minute you accept a date from a guy, you have just placed your stamp of approval upon his character. Now you may not believe that, but I'm a guy. And I know that whenever a girl accepted a date from me, the thinking in the back of my mind was, you know, after breathing a sigh of relief, I've laid my whole self-esteem on the line. She could step right on it if she wanted, but she accepted the date. She said yes. And once she did that, I heaved a sigh of relief and thought to myself, she accepts me just the way I am. And if your goal in dating a guy 
is to get him saved or to rehabilitate a broken down Christian, you are defeating your purpose because you have just communicated loud and clear with a neon sign, I take you just the way you are, or if you've ever bought a car, the legal terminology is, as is. No change is necessary. Fourth danger, where do you draw the line? You decide you don't want to date this individual any longer, where do you draw the line? Especially hard for the girl because the guy initiates the date. If you don't cut it off after the first date, when are you going to do it? After the second date, it's even harder. After the third date, it's even harder yet. So much easier to cut it off before you ever begin to date. You say, but I'll destroy the guy's ego. You'll destroy it so much more if you go out with him and then turn him down. Next, it could result in the guy making a phony decision. For Christ, I've seen it happen often. For years I taught a college Bible study. And I'd see the pattern over and over again. Girls, listen. Guys may be dumb, but they're not stupid. And if a guy catches on that in order to date you, he's got to pray some little prayer at the end of a four-law booklet or something, he'll do it. I've seen new guys come to the Bible study. They sit in the back of the room against the wall. They're holding hands with this gal. I mean, it's going, right? Contact is made. They have become an item. And now he's coming all the time. All of a sudden, the guy stops coming. And I'll ask the girl, what happened to your boyfriend? Oh, well, we broke up a while ago. Not coming anymore. Where is he going? Well, I do a little bit of research. I check the thing out. And you know what I've discovered? Oftentimes, I mean, it'll happen. They break up. The guy loses interest. Next thing you know, he shaves his head, buys a tambourine. He becomes a Harry Carey. He met some gal, right? And now he's going to the Harry Carey meeting. Or he becomes some other deal. I've seen it happen many times. You don't know that the guy may make a phony decision, and some of you have been in that very situation. And then I guess the last reason, and this is probably the best of all, it violates Scripture. It violates Scripture. 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. Now that is talking about a contractual relationship, and when you begin to date on a regular basis an individual, I believe that um, the words bound together would apply to that situation. An ongoing commitment, even in dating. So who should you date? Only date a growing believer. Question number three. Where do I find this kind of guy? Where do I find one? That's a good question. Because godly men are hard to find, aren't they? Men, those of us who walk with Jesus Christ are an endangered species. We are a minority. Even in a Christian college, you know the amount of compromise that takes place. And it's hard to find. And the cry that I hear oftentimes coming from girls is, where do I find this kind of a guy? So let me help you out. First of all, let me address the guys. And the reason I, I talk about this from the perspective of the girl is that I, I don't hear too many guys saying, where do I find a godly girl? It's true in my own youth group, and maybe it's kind of a norm that there are more committed girls than there are committed guys. Not quite sure why that is, but that seems to be a pattern. And so where do you find this type of individual? Let me say to the guys, man, it is our responsibility to quit dinking around and to become this kind of person. That is our responsibility, to be the kind of men our women want and our women deserve. Girls, a word to you. When Eve came along, where was Adam? 
sound asleep. Now, I'm going to draw out of this an incredible spiritual principle. Are you ready? As long as Adam was looking around, all he found was an orangutan, a giraffe. You know what I'm saying? I think there was purpose in God parading animals in front of Adam. I think God was making a point that in all of creation there would be nothing that would meet the needs that Adam felt. And when God put Adam to sleep and began to perform surgery, He created a special creation of God, woman. And that is what I believe a girl is. A special, unique, God-blessed creation. Wouldn't you agree? What a boring, empty world this would be without the female of the species. Isn't that true? Thank God for girls. And Adam was sound asleep, and when he was sound asleep, God met the deepest need of his heart. He brought woman to Adam. And he woke up, and the first words out of his mouth, Whoa, man! Right? I mean, she knocked him off his feet. In the Living Bible, I'm not a great fan of the Living Bible, but in the Living Bible, the first words recorded out of Adam's mouth, This is it! I mean, what a sight that must have been. And the point is this, girls, you don't need to look around. I don't believe you do. Men, we don't need to look around. I believe that when the timing is right and the people are right, God in His sovereignty has a great way of bringing the two together. Psalm 37, 4, If you delight yourself in Me, I will give you the desire of your heart. I don't think you need to look around. I don't think it needs to be an issue with you. I don't think you even need to worry about it at all. You don't need to sit by the phone at night hoping and praying it will ring. I believe that when the time is right and the people are right, God will bring the two of you together. A couple of thoughts. Girls, please, never compromise your standards. Never compromise your standards. You can't set them too high. You should shoot the moon when it comes to the man you date. Your standard should be sky high and never, ever compromise it. I've had girls say to me, but I've tried that and there aren't any guys who live up to it. If I'm going to get dates, I have to compromise it. No, you don't. And the reason is this. Once you begin to compromise your standard, I guarantee what will happen. Satan will bring along his best before God brings along His best. If you want God's best, you place your standard as high as it can be in terms of the character of the man you date. Secondly, under this, girls, please, have enough self-esteem to believe that it is a privilege for a guy to date you. And it is a privilege that you grant to only a select few people. Please have enough self-esteem to believe that. Don't ever look into the mirror and say to yourself, no guy in his right mind would want to date me. You are a very, very precious individual. You are a unique creation of God. You are made in His image. You have a personality unique to yourself. You have gifts that God has given you that He has given to no one else. And for a person to date you is a privilege. 
and you should believe that. And it is a privilege that you grant to only a select few. And one other thought. Girls, you have been given a very, very beautiful quality by God. And it can kill you at this point if you don't control it. The quality has come to be called maternal instinct. You have an inborn desire to mother and nurture a child. That is why girls play with dolls when they're young and take care of pets when they're growing up and just they have a, a desire to mother things. You know what I'm talking about? The men are shaking their head, but girls, do you know what I'm talking about? And I have seen it many times that some guy will come along who looks like he just crawled out from under a rock. I mean a total turkey. And it has always been a question in my mind over the years. Why is it that some of the sharpest gals in my college ministry date some of the scummiest guys? You know what I'm talking about? That has broken my heart. I have seen it so many times. A quality committed girl and she's dating a flea bag and I can't figure it out. And in doing um, some investigation and in talking to them, what I have found is this. There are many girls who will absolutely melt when a guy uses a certain line. And the line is, but I need you. I mean, I really want to do right. And every guy has a sob story. Man, I've heard some that would absolutely make you cry your eyes out. I mean, you'll flow rivers when you hear these guys. My dad beat me up and nobody's given me a chance and I was kicked. And this whole stuff, you know. And I'm not trying to say that's not legit. I mean, I've got my own story. We all have a story and a lot of our stories are legit. But I'll tell you something. I know guys who can play on the emotion of a girl. Turn you into an emotional roller coaster. And the idea they communicate is, I want to get my act together with God, but I need support. Nobody gives me support. If you give me support, I can make it with you. And I have seen girls absolutely melt. And when I confront the gals and I say to the girls, you've got to dump this guy. He's killing you. Their comeback often is, but he tells me he can't make it without me. Playing on your sympathy. Don't listen. It is the oldest line in the book. God has given the man the capacity spiritually to stand on his own two feet. And that is the kind of a man you want. You don't want some guy who's going to be hanging on you all of the time to supposedly inflate him spiritually every day. That is not the role God has designed for you, and there isn't a guy in the world who needs that. A guy who is struggling spiritually and needs support spiritually needs to get that support from a what? Another man, not a woman. Girls, you will never understand us. Never. We will never understand you. I will never understand a woman. Brilliant theology here. Because I'm not a woman. You will never understand a man because you are not a man. Only a man understands a man. And only a man can hold a man accountable. And only a man can share the deepest struggles of his heart with another man. And only a man can relate to those struggles. And only a man can be firm enough to give a kick in the seat when another guy needs it spiritually. 
Don't buy that line. You look for a man who is, as I've tried to emphasize, the kind of a man you can look up to as a model, victorious, committed Christian. And if he is not that, you do not date him. And don't allow your maternal instinct, your natural desire to throw your arms around this guy and mother him to spiritual health get in the way. You will lose. You will lose. So girls, please, never compromise your standards. Question number four. What about going steady? Is that what you call it here? What do you call it here? Is that all right? Going steady? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a verbal or an implied commitment to each other that you will not date anyone else. What about that? Is it right? Is it wrong? What about it? If you were in high school, I would tell you absolutely don't do it. Do not go steady in high school. But you're not. You're in college. So let me say this. It is not a matter of right or wrong. But there are certain dangers... And you need to understand the dangers before you make that kind of a commitment. So let me simply list them for you. And if you understand the dangers and still feel that God has led you to this point of commitment, then go for it. But understand the dangers. First of all, understand that it limits you to just one individual. And it robs you of the benefit of dating several people. Secondly, it often results in isolation. Don't let that happen. I've seen it many times that when the commitment is made, the couple just kind of drops out of everything else and becomes their own little entity. And that can be very dangerous because a guy still needs the accountability of a group of guys and a girl still needs the accountability of a group of girls. And if you become isolated, you're going to hurt yourself. Third, there is often a greater temptation for physical involvement because the thought is we're going to get married anyway. And so you can let your guard down. Be careful of that. Fourth, it provides a false security. I know of people, you know of them too, maybe some of you who have built your life around the other individual. And the mortal fear is, what if I lose him? Or what if I lose her? And if I lose him or her, my life will come crashing down. And I want you to know that if that's your approach to life, you're going to struggle. Because God never intended that we build our security around another individual that can be taken away. I love my wife. I cannot imagine what life would be like without her. And if I ever lost her, the pain would be incredible. But I can honestly tell you that if she ever was to die, as much as it would hurt, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. Because my life is not built around her. It is built around a God who can never die or be taken away. So be careful of that tendency to make that person your security. Also, it creates expectations you may not be prepared to meet. She wants to go out on occasion, right? He wants more time from you, maybe, than you were willing to give. So there may be expectations that need to be worked out. And then I think the final thing, and you need to understand this, what going steady really is, it really is pre-engagement. Isn't that true? It's pre-engagement. Because you're either going to do one of two things. You'll either get engaged or you'll break up. And it's like the song says, breaking up is hard to do. 
So understand, if you enter into that kind of verbal or implied commitment, you are becoming pre-engaged. If you're ready for that, great. If you're not, then maybe you need to hold off. And let me just throw this in for free. Um, My wife and I never went steady. I wanted her to have the freedom to date other guys if she wanted to. Because I wanted her, if we ever did get married, to marry me because she loved me, not because she had made a commitment to me. And I'll tell you what, there were times I had to grit my teeth and hold my breath. That's risky. That is risky. Because I knew all along in our relationship that if another guy came along and captured her interest and attention, I may lose her. And as much as I feared that in my heart, nevertheless, if she really wanted to date another guy, there is no way in the world out of love for her that I wanted to hold on. Now that to me is love. Willing to risk a relationship in order to seek the fulfillment of the other person. So we never went steady. We met one another, we became friends, we started doing things together, we dated a little more often. It was always understood, I made it very clear to her that I wanted her to feel that freedom and no pressure from me at all. And the day came very clearly when God led us together in engagement and then marriage. And there was never any period of, quote, going steady or pre-engagement. And I believe that that did more to convince her of my love than anything I could have said or done. So think about it. And girls, a a word to you. Please never look to a guy to give you the affection that God only intended for you to get from your father or your husband. Because of the fact that so many families have broken down and so many of you have grown up in a home where there is no loving father, there is a need in your heart for male affection, a legitimate need. But God never intended that you get that from a boyfriend. And if you are looking to a boyfriend to be a substitute for a father or a husband, you are opening yourself up wide to moral disaster. And I know that it hurts. I know the pain is there. But you're going to have to bite a bullet and grit your teeth and understand that that need that you had for a hug from a father and the affirmation from a father. And while you may not have had it in your home and um, you long for the day when you will have a husband who will give that to you, nevertheless, allow God to meet that need of your heart and wait until the right time and the right guy before you get involved in marriage. One more question and then we're through. Are you finding this helpful? I hope so. We're covering a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. How do I date? How do I date? And since the man initiates the date and the man is responsible for the date, I think at this point I will talk to the men. I've said a lot to the gals, so let me talk to the men for a minute. I believe that there are certain responsibilities that are uniquely ours in dating. Let me tell you what they are. First of all, I believe that it is a tremendous privilege to date a girl. It is a privilege. It is not a right. And it is a privilege that has been granted to me by her. Therefore, the date should be planned. It should be thought through. And my goal should be to make it the funnest, most enjoyable time, creative time possible. Some thoughts should go into it. 
I want... Well, it's kind of like Fonzie once said. He was trying to date a girl and she kept turning him down. And he was frustrated because he'd never been turned down, right? So he went to his friends and he was complaining about this. And they said to him, well, if she ever does say yes, what are you going to do? And Fonzie got this big smile on his face. You know how he does? And he said to his friends, he said, the minute that girl says yes and agrees to date me, every day of the rest of her life is going to be the 4th of July. And that's the way it ought to be, man, right? You date me, it is going to be the 4th of July. I mean, videos and jacuzzis get old. Know what I'm saying? So put some thought into it. Secondly, gentlemen, I believe that it is time that we learn how to properly treat a woman. She is a very special person and should be treated in a very special way. It's going to sound corny, but I am committed to this. A girl should be treated like a princess. And I'm afraid that we've lost some of this because of the ERA and all of that stuff. And maybe we have begun as men to take women for granted. And I think that's tragic. A couple of high school guys were going to go out on a double date one time. I couldn't believe it, you know. And after the thing was over, I sat down with the girls and I wanted to check up on my guys. So I said, how did it go? And they started telling me the story. They went to some very nice restaurant. I mean, incredible deal overlooking the, um, down in uh, San Pedro, overlooking the, the harbor out there. And it was candlelight kind of a deal and soft music and a nice meal and the whole thing and they were talking quietly with the music playing in the background and then all of a sudden one of the guys leans over to the others and says how about a belching contest now that is tacky you know what I'm saying that's tacky now you would never do that right that's high school stuff we're college so let's talk about how to treat a woman first of all realize she's not one of the boys She's not one of the boys, so don't treat her that way. There are little courtesies. When you pick her up, if you're dating someone off campus and you drive to pick her up, walk up to the door to get her. You do not lay on the horn. Got it? Beep, beep. Go up to the door and get her. You open the door for her and let her walk first. Now, when you do that, I've had guys say, but she's strong enough, you know, it's a light door. When you open the door for a woman, you are making a public statement. Do you know that? Anybody who looks at the door and sees it open and the girl walk through first, you are making a public statement. And what you are saying is this, I regard this individual in my life as more important than me. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Third. Let her walk first. If it's a narrow aisle, you let the girl walk first. I love to watch the young married guys at church Sunday morning. It's so funny. The guy's flying down the aisle and the girl's trying to catch up, you know. You let the girl walk first. You are making a public statement. You are saying that in my life I regard this person as more important than me. Also, when you're in a restaurant, you order for her first. You find out what she wants and then you order that. My lovely young lady here will have a Big Mac and fries. She <laughs> no, 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 no do that. But you figure out what it is. And then when the waitress comes, you order. Also, compliment her on her appearance. She's put a lot of time in getting ready for you. Some more time than others. Some require more time than others. 
So compliment her on her appearance. You know, I've done a lot of weddings. It's one of the funnest things. I got to hustle. I'm almost out of time. I've done a lot of weddings. I have never once, in all the weddings that I have done, I've never once seen an ugly bride. Do you know that? I have seen the girl a week before the wedding, and I thought, oh, my, you know. <laughs> but something happens on the day of the wedding. I mean, she is transformed into something radiant. So I know it can happen. And men, when it does, compliment her on her appearance. Not only that, but if a girl should come to your table, for example, up in the lunchroom, stand up when a woman enters your presence. You should do that in class if a girl comes in late. Every guy stand up. I guarantee she'll never be late again. That, that'll take care of it. Also, you should talk about things that interest her. Talk about things that interest her. They get tired of hearing about your batting average. and Talk about things that interest her. And learn how to ask a girl out appropriately. Never say, are you doing anything Friday night? That is not the way to ask. The way to ask is this. No pressure. You simply explain where you want to take her and what you want to do. And then simply say, would you like to go with me? That's simple. If you say, what are you doing Friday night? You put her on the spot. She has to, if she doesn't want to date you, she has to create an excuse. So just, and if they turn you down, please don't say no. Uh, don't say why. Why not? That's none of our business. And maybe I ought to say a word to the girls about how you turn a guy down. Would that be helpful? Because I know how hard that is. You ready? I've worked it out. Here it is. This is brilliant. Here's what you do. If you don't want to go out with a guy, very simple. You say, no, thank you. That's it. No, thank you. If they say, why not? You say, no, thank you. If they say, well, how about next week? No, thank you. See, eventually it will get through. Now, if you tell the guy why, you'll destroy his ego. So you don't want to do that. And if you make up a lame excuse, he'll figure out a way around the excuse. You know what I'm saying? So you simply say, no, thank you. You think that would work? No way. No, yeah, that'll work. Trust me. Trust me. Three more things and we're out of here. Third, men, keep in mind your highest goal. And your highest goal on the date is to bring glory to God. And it's very simple. Where you go, what you do, what you say, how you act, you should do all those things as if Christ went on the date with you. Very simple. Where you go, what you do, what you say, how you act, would you do that if Christ came along with you? Kind of a chaperone type deal. And I think that'll solve all your problems. What is appropriate behavior on a date? Where is an appropriate place to go? Very simple. Where you go? Would Christ be comfortable? What you do? Would Christ be comfortable? What you say? Would Christ be comfortable? And how you act? Would Christ be comfortable? Number four, show proper respect to her parents. Introduce yourself to them. I think you should thank them for allowing you the privilege of dating their daughter the first time you take her out. And respect their wishes. Have her in at the proper time. And I think that if it has to do with girls on this campus, you should respect the fact that there are certain rules about what time to be in, and you should respect that. And um, I don't know how far you want to carry this. I'll tell you what I did. When I was a student here, dating girls who were living on campus, who were perhaps out of state, I took this to be so serious that I would call the father to ask permission to date the girl before I ever asked the girl. Now, you may think that's a little extreme. Maybe so, but I'll tell you what. Every dad of every girl I ever dated, from date number one, I had him in the palm of my hand. 
And that makes a statement to the girl. I am saying to the girl, I respect you enough to respect those in authority over you. And it helps the girl out because if she doesn't want to date you, all she has to do is let the dad know, no way. You just cut him off at the pass. And then finally, number five. Last thing and we're done. Keep your cotton pick and hands off her body. Keep her cotton pick and your cotton pick and hands off of her body. She is not a toy. She is not a plaything. God has not granted you the privilege of dating her to satisfy your own lustful passion. So don't do it. I did not touch my wife when we were dating. I did not touch her. I respected her purity. And she knew that I loved her. I have the same impulse as any healthy, normal American boy has. And there were times when it was tough and I had to grit my teeth. The first time I ever kissed her was after we had announced our engagement. Some of you are thinking right now, boy, are you slow. That made a statement to her loud and clear. I love you. And I am entering into this relationship for what I can give to you, not for what I can get from you. You know what I lost because of making that commitment? Nothing. You know what I gained? The greatest, as the Bible puts it, suitable helper, companion, friend, mate, God could ever give. Nine years going on ten. Nine years going on a lifetime. Is it worth it? And when I stand in front of a group of young people, hundreds of them as I do at camp or as I do at the church, and I talk about moral purity, incredible credibility, because I practiced what I preach. Men, keep your hands off her body. It's not yours. Let's bow in prayer. Thank you, Father, for these moments we have to share together. I pray that these thoughts have been helpful. Thank you that you are a God who wants to bless us with a life that is abundant, a life that is full. Thank you that your will for us is good, acceptable, and perfect. And may this area that is so often one of conflict be one of great joy and fulfillment. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have been great. Hope that's been helpful. You are dismissed.